Welcome to the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. We hope you're encouraged by today's message and encounter God's heart through it. To find out more about us, visit lifechurchstpeters.com. I just want to uh, jump into the Word. I've been doing a short series on um, generosity. This is week three, and I believe I'll be concluding this morning. And we've been doing a series over uh, the entire year, simplify, amplify, and multiply. And we're moving into the multiply part of it. And God wants to bless you and me. Do you believe that? Okay, here's a question for you, and it's somewhat rhetorical, but I want you to think about it. Do you believe God wants to bless you financially? It was rhetorical. (laughs) I'm sorry, I just threw that out because it always works. Rhetorical, it means you can, you know, hmm. Do you believe God wants to bless you financially? See, I didn't say it was rhetorical that time. That's good. Okay, here's the question to follow up that one. Why? Why? If I believe, because I have two arms up and two legs up, God wants to bless me financially. Us, financially. I believe with all of my heart. He wants to bless us, Tom and Randy, and family financially. The bigger question is, if you answered yes, and actually, if you thought, no, I'd like to talk with you. I really would. (laughs) Personally, I would like to talk to you. If you don't think God wants to bless you financially, I would like to know why. But I'm assuming that the vast majority all said yes. Why do you believe the Lord wants to bless you financially? Why? Malachi, I don't know him. Oh, see, I have a friend who's Italian. It's Malachi. Yes. Tell me about it, just real quick. It says test me in this that we faithful with the tithe that God will. That's my notes. Stop. Oh, I will, and you know I do. Okay, I heard some other answers. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes. So you can bless others. Randy? Because he loves you. It's his delight. My wife and I, over the last couple of days, we were in Chicago, and we have a son and a daughter-in-law and three kids in Chicago, and these three grandchildren were just everywhere. They're eight, six, and four. Three? three? No, there are three. Yeah. He's three years old, sorry. Don't want to mess with my wife publicly. Doesn't usually end well. And they're just, I mean, my kids are brilliant. They're smarter than yours. They're just the absolute best. And all I wanted to do as a grandpa, I just want to bless them. I just want to bless them. I was trying to talk my son and daughter. Can we get them Dairy Queen? Can I get them chocolate? No, 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 because they're going to be running and doing things, you know, in moments. And I'm like, but I love them. I want to bless them. And it's funny when Virgil, I don't know if anybody saw Virgil come running up here this morning, kind of across the thing. And I was thinking of my grandchildren. And when I was 25, 26, 27, we started our family, and I was so uptight about our kids, 
so uptight. And I won't say we went to an uptight church, but it was a really uptight church. <laughs> and if a, if a youngster had come running across the front, whoosh, the couple would have been talked to, get your children under control. Rah, 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 rah. And that was just, that was our church background. Oh my gosh, if a youngster was up on the stage during the meeting. And I just thought, what would Jesus have done? What did Jesus do when there's little kids around? Let them come. And I'm not talking about running around, tripping, falling, out of control. But Jesus, he loved kids. He loved the volume, the noise. The, he just, he, and kids, the beautiful thing, we know what he was like. Because kids loved him. They wanted to be around Jesus. He wasn't a curmudgeon. He wasn't some crusty, grumpy old guy. He wanted to bless everybody. And I think it, at times, especially the kids. And I just thought, what's my attitude? How generous am I in my heart towards other people? Or am I uh, the church police? Now, my personal position, I am the road police. I want to give everybody tickets for driving foolishly. I want that job. Badly. But I don't want to be the church police. Missing God's heart. I don't want to be harsh. I don't want to be critical. To me, that just screams Pharisees. And we were with our kids, this, our grandchildren this week. It's just such a blessing to see activity. And, you know, it's funny. As grandparents, you can laugh when they're crying. When they're having meltdowns, you can almost laugh about it. Like, ah, they'll get over it. As a parent, <laughs> But as I'm aging, as we're aging, as we're getting older, whether you're 16 or 116, what's the condition of my heart? Is there a generosity about me? Am I generous towards People, situations, children, money. When people look at me, when people bump into me, do they feel like Jesus is the person they bumped into? Is the heart of Jesus splashing over to them? And when people bump into me, are they bumping into a Pharisee? Are they bumping into a cactus in full thistle? We've already looked over the last two or three weeks and looking at generosity, about Jesus' generosity. I touched on it during communion this morning with Peter. He failed so many times in so many huge, ugly, public ways. And Jesus said, I'm going to build it all around you, Peter. You're going to be a cornerstone in my church. Anybody but Peter. I don't think he would have been on anybody's list. And Jesus said, I'll show my glory through you. You continually mess up, you're perfect. His disciples, out all night, can't catch anything. And Jesus tells them, he throw, throw the net over on the other side. It was net-busting catch. For me, I, hey, give them 20 fish. They caught nothing. If you caught nothing all night and then you get 20, you're like, wow. No, he says, I want so much blessing. It almost swamped their boats, the Bible says, the blessing of God. Water into wine, 120 to 180 gallons of wine to the brim, if you remember the message. He's a to the brim God. 
I want you so blessed. And so many people have such a hard time with understanding Jesus wants me blessed to the brim. To the brim. Because if I don't have anything, I can't give anything away. I wasn't going to say this, but I am going to. I actually believe Jesus had access to loads of money. Loads of money. Loads of it. Because if I went to the Maurer family and their child was desperately sick and was given a terminal prognosis by the doctor and I came, preacher man, not about me, but just a pastor, came and said, you know what, I, I just want to bless and I brought healing through God to their son. They, how, what would they think? And I said, and I said, oh, you know, what can we give you? Nothing. I just want to give you healing. I want to give you blessing. I want to give you God's love. They probably would fa be favorably disposed towards me as a person. And if I was traveling around, they would probably consider supporting my ministry because I didn't want anything. All I did was bless them. I went out of my way. That's all Jesus did was bless and heal people. That's all he did. And I guarantee you, wealthy people, people with resource, invested into Jesus because he wasn't like the Pharisees. If I'm going to have to give my money, I'll give it to King Jesus. Well, they know him as King Jesus, but I'll give it to this man, Jesus. He supported 12 people, 70 people. He had groups of people around him all the time. I believe Jesus had access to finance. That's my opinion. Can't find it in there. I just believe it with all of my heart. You can't give something away that you don't have. That's the primary reason for me that I believe God wants to bless me. Not so that I can have 13 houses. Nothing wrong with houses. I like houses. But I can't give away what I don't have. He feeds 5,000, just the men, probably 15 to 20. There are basketfuls left over. Why? Because he's a God of excess. Peter, how many times do I have to forgive? Up to seven times? No, 70 times seven, Jesus told him. He loves you so much. He wants to bless you. It's, once I grab hold of understanding, I have revelation, as I read out of Ephesians 1 this morning, my eyes are open to see how much I'm loved, how amazing he is. It's so easy to give to God. And give to his people and people in general. Once I have a revelation of how amazing he is. And how lavish and generous he is towards me. When I talk to people and they have a problem giving to God. They have a problem with generosity. My first thought is, Lord, I need to pray for this person that they understand who you are. Not all the principles in giving. Because there are principles in giving. But they would just fall in love with you and melt the heart and think, Lord, you, you've given me so much and I'm gonna, my reward is heaven forever with you. Why would I not be generous now? You're so amazing. My only expression should be, I'm generous. My car, my time, my heart, my words, my wallet. If I truly know Jesus, it's such an easy thing to look just like him. To love really well. To bless really well. If he's got my heart, he's got my wallet. 
In Matthew 6, 1 through 4, Jesus speaking. Jesus says this, Matthew 6, 1 through 4, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. You know what that tells me? There is reward in heaven. I love that. And I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm aiming for it. If you do, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, not if, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on their streets to be honored by other, others. I tell you, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Same chapter, Matthew 6, verses 19 to 21. The Bible says this. Jesus says this. Red letters. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin. There's a cool word. Where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves this is Jesus speaking, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin, no spiders either, honey, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, for where my treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 24, same chapter. Sobering words, helpful, so helpful words. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. Generosity is not a dollar figure. It's a heart issue. It's a hard issue. It always has been, always will be. Jesus' message was a message of the kingdom. This is how heaven works. And he taught. Don't let your giving be done publicly. Do it in secret. When, 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 not if. The world gives like this. And Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like this. Verse 33, same chapter. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. See, he's so amazing. He's like, okay, I don't want you to live like a pauper down here and grovel and have nothing. That's not the kingdom of heaven. So that, he has, God has no problem with you having a house, or even a second house, or a car, or a second car. I really don't believe he has any problem with it. You can have a boat. It's okay as long as you're using it to catch fish, bass preferably. Things, he's not bothered by the things. What he wants to know is, do the things have me? Do the things have me? And for so many of people, it's not that 
that thing has me, the want for the thing has me. The want for the thing. That's what I think about. That's what I dream about. What am I dreaming about? Again, going back to Isaiah 6 and uh, Ephesians 1 that I read earlier. What am I looking at? What am I thinking of? What is, what is monopolizing my mind? Is it all about retirement? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Great. Be blessed. Absolutely. But I still, I still, I still, I still, I come back to people like Peter and Barbie Reynolds. They're in their 70s. Sold everything, gave it away, and moved to a foreign country. That's their retirement. I probably won't do that. But how wonderful yet, how wonderful that we have examples right here in this life that it's not about money. It's not about the south of France. It's not about Italy. It's not about that fabulous cruise. There are people in this life who are living for the age to come. And surely they will be rewarded. Surely they will be rewarded. Nothing wrong with vacations. But what is my mind consumed with, honestly? What do I think about all the time? Is it about things, the want for things? Or is my meditation, is a scripture, it's a psalm. Let the meditations of my heart be sweet. Let the meditations of my heart be sweet. My inner musings, the things that I'm thinking about, as I'm putting my head on the pillow at night. Am I thinking about, if I just had another 400,000, we could have this or we could have that. I'm talking about retirement. Where's my musings? I think, oh, Lord, who can I bless? I've, you've blessed me so much. Who can I bless? Where can I sow finance? Who can I help? Who can I encourage? Equally as important, Lord, who should I not give money to? Because you're doing something in them right now. My wife and I, we came back. Uh, I don't know where we were. We were out of the, not in St. Louis at the time. And we came back and we had friends whose car broke down. Car died, I think. They needed a car. And so we, we had some finance and we went to this couple. They were dear friends of ours. And we, we blessed them with a car. And their pastor, who was a really, really close friend of ours, said, Tom, I wish you hadn't done that. God's been working on them so much. And you just gave to their weakness by getting them out of the fire. And God has them in there because of things happening in their life. And I was like, ah, so it's not just give to everybody anytime. It's almost like this. Jesus walked past the man at the temple gate beautiful. How many times? Walked right past him. Right past him. He could have healed him anytime. But now is not the time. There's two disciples that are going to come by during the time of Acts. And they're going to, it's going to be a miracle and revival is going to break out. Even Jesus, at the pool of Siloam, there's all these people laying around. There's a man laying there for 30 plus years, lame and crippled. Didn't say he healed any of the other ones, but that's the man this day for you. Lord, with my generosity, may I have eyes and ears. My first impulse is to bless always, first and always. But Lord, is this what you want me to do now? It's always a heart issue. 
always. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 8. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. The Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly, cheaply, grinch, grunch, curmudgeon, grumpy man, grumpy lady, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Well, this is what I have to give. Squeak. It's like, it's like the tin man. Need some oil. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But whoever and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Always an attitude of heart. Never a dollar sign. Never a matter of how many zeros. Always an issue of the heart. Each of you should give what you have decided. That's the beautiful thing. He says, what have you decided? I'm not mandating you have to do this, this, and that. There's no mandate. No mandate when it comes to money. Just be like Jesus. Generous on every occasion. Every occasion. And I get to decide my blessing. I actually believe, and I'm talking about the age to come. I can live Scrooge. I can live like Ebenezer. And Jesus said, according to your own words. But in the age to come, there is blessing. He is faithful and he is, and the scripture says in Revelation, he's bringing his reward with him. How am I living? Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Oh, and by the way, the church finances are doing great. And we're not taking an offering this morning. So, oh boy, it must be rough times in that church. Nope, finances are doing amazing because this is a generous church. Amen? Amen? Finances are doing great. It's a simple life principle to tell, teach me, remind me how to live. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Ah, oh, what a beautiful, put that on my fridge. God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Oh my gosh, the word, the New Testament word is generosity. Verses 11 to 13, same chapter. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform... Giving is a service that we perform. It's not only meeting the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. Life is not how much I have, but what I'm doing with what I have. Where's my heart? How is my heart? Luke 21, verse 1 through 4. Luke 21, 1 through 4. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. 
Jesus' response to what he observed is this. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. Our accountants are going crazy. The accounting sheet in heaven looks very different. So different. And I, at, at, praise God, I have a wonderful accountant. He keeps me out of jail. I love him. No shot at accountants. I have many friends who are accountants. But the accounting sheet of heaven looks very different than the accounting sheet of earth. Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. And Jesus doesn't kick her, saying, you foolish woman. She was doing something that God had directed her to do, clearly, or Jesus wouldn't have said what he said. So it's not being foolish with our money. Heaven help us from being foolish with our money. But it's listening to the voice of God. Proverbs 11.25 says this, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Proverbs 22.9, Bible, The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. So the issue is not that we're all walking around with nothing in our wallet. If we have nothing in our savings account, nothing in our 401k, if we have no money saved up, I can't bless people. The issue isn't ha not having savings. Please have savings. What am I doing with my savings? We live in an, the most prosperous country in the world and probably all of time. What am I doing with my blessing? Do I have a generous heart or am I hoarding, hoarding, hoarding? Am I giving lavishly just like Jesus? If I don't have money, I can't give it away. A funny thing, and I believe with all my heart, Jesus didn't spend time teaching on tithes and offerings. He just didn't do it. Why? Because he lives in a cult, lived in a culture where everyone did it. They all tithed. You couldn't be part of the synagogue and not tithe. It was just normal. Jesus didn't teach on going to the synagogue on Saturday. You don't, I never saw one time where Jesus tells his disciples, now remember, you guys go, everybody went to the synagogue. I don't have to teach what you're already doing. But Jesus taught all the time about the heart. Because in that culture, and it's in this culture, the issue was the heart. Heart, heart, heart. How am I doing with finances? If he's got my heart, he's got my wallet. Genesis 4, 2 through 7. Powerful, powerful verse. And it teaches me so much about giving, so much about what I have. Genesis 4, 2 through 7. Adam and Eve. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. So you have Cain and Abel, first two kids on earth. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil. He brought something as an offering to the Lord. That's good, isn't it? He brought something. That's what the Bible says. And Abel also brought an offering. Fat portions. I can do that. I have fat portions. 
fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Cain brought some. Abel brought fat portions, the best portions, from the first, not leftovers. The Lord looked with favor. The Lord looked with favor. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Ow. Ow. Because they both brought something. Logically, you're like, well, what's the problem? So Cain was very angry. And his face was downcast. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Didn't it talk about the offering? You will be accepted if you do what's right. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. So with my finances, Lord... I just don't want to bring, I don't want to bring just something to you. I want to bring the best of the first. There's a biblical law, if you will. It's called hermeneutics. How do we decipher the Bible? How do we understand what it's saying and how it's saying? There's something called the law of first mention. Really important for people understanding how to understand the Bible. When the first, thing, first time something is mentioned, pay importance to it. This is the first mention of giving an offering to the Lord. One brought something, the other brought the best. Abraham, as we all know this story, I'm not going to labor on it. In Genesis, Abraham willingly brought an offering to a priest. The Lord didn't say, give him 10%. Abraham said, I'm so blessed, I'm just going to give. This is all before the law, all before Moses and saying, you have to do this, have to do this. It was a hard issue for Abel. It was a hard issue for Abraham. It's a hard issue for us. I would love, I don't have time this morning. I would love to go through um, and just testify about the goodness of the Lord and his faithfulness to us. We've been married 41 years. I've been a Christian 44 years. And Six months after becoming a Christian in 1977, probably early 78, I went to a man and I asked him, what about giving? How do I do this? And he just told me, this is the principle. You give first. And at that point, he just said, just give 10%, which I did. So my first 14, 13 years as a Christian, I tithed. I wasn't a pastor. I was not a leader. I was a Christian. And that was something we just built into how we lived our lives. We gave the Lord the first, first fruits. And I've done that my entire Christian life. Before I was a pastor. Because sometimes you go to church and you're like, ah, church must be short or pastor needs a raise. They're talking about money again. And many people will know over, uh, church is eight years old as of September 15. So I thank Jesus for that. And the people who have been here the longest will tell you, Tom doesn't talk about money very often. If you're brand new, you're like, oh my gosh, he talked about money. Over eight years, the finance team is always telling me, please talk about money, Tom. We don't pass a basket for a reason. It's in your heart to give or not. We don't need guilt money every Sunday. I don't talk about finance. I probably talked about, I mean, it's, it's embarrassing. I should talk about it more. 
because it's so important. Most people, if you're still working, are working at least 40, 50, 60 hours. For what? Finance. It's incredibly important. If you're 65, 75, you'll hope, want to have some money saved. We're talking about finance because it's so important. It's such a major part of our life, work and living. Nothing to be embarrassed about, nothing to be shy about. But what am I doing with it? Does finance own me? Or am I living my life? Like I said, I, I wish I could testify the myriad of times, just the, the principle of giving and generosity, the first fruits to the Lord, how the Lord has blessed us when we had no provision. We were living overseas in Bible school. I couldn't make a dime or I would be thrown out of the country. I couldn't receive money. I couldn't work a job, two jobs. And we received so much money that year we gave more money away when we weren't working in Bible school than I'd earned the two previous years in San Diego working two jobs. Money was just... And the Lord told us, don't ask anybody for a dime. Don't send out letters asking for support. Don't ask your church for support. Don't even ask your parents for support. That was a problem because we had no money. And when I say no money, I didn't have the airfare to get us there, much less pay for Bible school. I couldn't even get us on a plane going there. And the Lord blessed us because of his principles of giving. He blesses his own. So I'm going to move straight to um, a conclusion here. If you want to talk about finance, we'd love to. We have a finance team here who is amazing. Mike Stafford is on the finance team. Holly Perryman. Mike, could you stand up real quick? Mike Stafford is on the finance team. Holly Perryman, could you stand up real quick? Is on the finance team. Denise is on the finance team. John Hooker is in Boston. Y'all can sit down. John Hooker is in Boston. He's on the finance team. I don't have a clue what you give if you give. I don't have a clue. I sign the statements at the end of the year blindly because there's no dollar figure on it. I don't want to know what you give. I'm a man and I don't want to be tempted to say, oh, don't go, don't go, don't go. You give so much. Oh, you don't go give anything. Oh, go, go, go. This church is not based on a need for money. God blesses. God blesses. So I have no idea who gives and what gives. I please, and I tell the finance team, please don't tell me. Don't want to know. God knows, and that's who we're blessing, is God out of obedience. So why should I give? Why should I give finance back to the Lord? Number one, obedience. Why should I give finance back to the Lord? Obedience. A tithe of everything, this is Leviticus 27. And this is the law. And we're not under the law anymore. But we have biblical principles. We didn't remove it and throw it away. Leviticus 27 says it's a tithe, a tenth, one ten percent of everything from the Lord, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. And that's how we've treated, Randy and I have treated our finances. It's just 10%. We give aside from that as well. But the first fruits, the first bit, it's holy to the Lord. We believe that. You can believe what you want. Every tithe of the herd and the flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. For Randy and I, we really believe this. There's an amazing God-given blessing in honoring the Lord with our finances. 
Second reason, why should I give obedience? Second is faith. I trust Jesus with my finances. The only time in the Bible, Holly, the only time in the Bible that Jesus says, or the Bible says, test God, is in the area of finances. The only time. In fact, on the other, all the other occasions, people are rebuked and in trouble. Why? Because they test the Lord. The Bible says, don't test the Lord. That's a foolish thing. I can give you verses for it. But in Malachi 3, 10 through 11, this is what the Bible says. Test me in this. Test me in this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops from the vines and, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit because it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. It's just, the Lord says, hey, if you want to move in your faith, test me in this. Real, just test me. In Luke 4, last verse I'm going to look at this morning. Luke 4, verse 12. Just on this point. Jesus answered. This is when he's being tempted by the devil. Jesus says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus says, don't test. Don't do it. Don't test the Lord. Except when it comes to finance. See if I'm not a God of my word. The only time. So for this church, we, we give, we give outside of ourselves. We take the first 10% of finance that comes into Life Church and we give it away. After that, we have things that we give into and we will have a financial report upcoming as a body. But we believe it as a church. We act on it as a church body in tithing. We simply believe it. But for me, again, I, and again, if you've been in this church three, four, five, six, seven years, how many times have I talked about tithing? Mm. Once or twice? I just don't do it. But to me, the issue isn't the word tithing. It's am I generous with my finances? Because generosity exceeds tithing in my mind. This is the Lord's we honor. Now, with the rest of my money, the rest of the 90%, Lord, what do you want me to do? How can I embody you, Jesus. Just look at the life of Jesus. He was ridiculously, amazingly generous on all occasions. Father, I thank you for what you've done in this church. I thank you, Lord, that you have blessed us, overwhelmingly blessed us. I thank you, Lord, that two months into this church, almost eight years ago, you said that this church would be a breadbasket to the nations that we would feed nations from this church. And Father, I thank you that you have blessed us. We can't give away what we don't have. So Father, I thank you that uh, your principles are not law, not under compulsion, as 2 Corinthians 9 says. I don't give out of guilt. I don't give out of forcing your hand and trying to manipulate the God Almighty by, Lord, I gave, now you have to. Father, I give because you changed my heart. You've changed my heart. My dad, my worldly, my natural father used to make fun of me, calling me uptight. And I thank you that you have changed me on the inside, from the inside out, as you do. Father, I pray that no one goes away here today feeling 
convict, uh, condemned. We can be convicted, but not condemned. Lord, that I would just start somewhere. That, Lord, for anybody who wants to know how do I do this, where do I even start, they would come see someone in the finance team. They would see Holly or Mike or Denise or John Hooker. Or go to someone in this body who is a cheerful giver and say, how do I even start? I don't make a lot of money. How do I start? I thank you for wise people in this body. I thank you for godly people. I thank you for the Bible, Lord, that gives us principles. I thank you the Bible isn't a cruel taskmaster, but Lord, it's a map that leads us to heaven and the kingdom of heaven and shows us what you're like. Lord, what you're like, I want to be like. Thank you for the blessing over this body. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you for your goodness that is lavished towards us. Thank you for your blessing. Again, Father, we, we pray for the Schmitz family and we bless them this week, Lord, as they, I believe, buried their son yesterday or today. Lord, that you would comfort them with the comfort of heaven. And all the people, Lord, who have given their, their life and just in these last few days have lost their life. Father, bless these families that they would know the hope of heaven and that you love them. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. and amen. Have an amazing week. Hey, bless somebody this afternoon. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for checking out the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. For more podcasts and additional information, visit us at lifechurchstpeters.com.